Hello and welcome to ACS Chemical Biology's podcast for December 2015. I'm Jay Suarez, Acquisitions Editor for the Journal. The current issue of ACS Chemical Biology comprises 24 articles, including a paper by Gomika Udugama Surya, who provides a new approach to target lung cancer. I have Gomika here on the phone to tell us more about the article. Hi, Gomika. Uh, hello, Jitesh. Hi, first stop. You mentioned targeting cancer by conventional therapeutic strategies is challenging. Why is this? Um, yes, um, here actually I'm uh, referring to the uh, conventional uh, synthetic uh, uh, anti-cancer drug development strategies. Um, basically, uh, uh, we have two major types of anti-cancer drugs and uh, chemotherapeutics and uh, targeted drugs. Um, the chemo compounds are uh, non-specific and have side effects, uh, but uh, the uh, targeted therapies are directed to the tumor, and therefore uh, we expect the uh, maximum activity with fewer side effects. Um, and then there, actually, this is where the researchers from uh, academia to uh, big pharma uh, spend their most of the time uh, during the uh, last couple of decades. Um, actually, we have produced uh, thousands of uh, very strong uh, drug candidates and hundreds of new drugs uh, from small molecules to uh, antibodies. Uh, but their overall effectiveness and the practical applicability is limited. Uh, why is that? And then this is where uh, we need to look at the big picture. And I, I think uh, the problem may be not only in the drug itself and uh, maybe on the uh, side of the targeted biomolecular side. Um, uh, these conventional drug targets are exclusively uh, proteins, uh, such as enzymes, hormones, uh, receptors, um, uh, transcriptional factors, um, etc. Now, uh, in cancer, uh, their expressions are highly heterogeneous, uh, very uh, vary from uh, cell to cell, and uh, also uh, attacking uh, different points of uh, signaling cascades, uh, uh, not that much effective as those are uh, simply bypassed by uh, complex and cross-talking networks. Uh, and on the other hand, uh, even the uh, drug is effective at the beginning, uh, cancer cells can rapidly develop uh, resistance through uh, many other mechanisms. So uh, basically, uh, what I'm trying to say here is um, effectively targeting cancer uh, using these conventional uh, drug development strategies, in particular uh, targeting uh, proteins, uh, seems very challenging uh, as compared to uh, successful applications of those uh, techniques in uh, many other disease types. Okay, so you claim to have developed an alternative approach in your recent paper published in ACS Chemical Biology. Could you briefly summarize the approach? Uh, yeah. Uh, now, if you take the conventional drug development route, um, uh, first uh, we identify the biomolecules important for the disease. Uh, again, uh, most of those are proteins and then uh, develop drugs targeting those biomolecules um, uh, using conventional strategies uh, such as uh, rational drug design or uh, high throughput approaches. Uh, now, uh, in, in our development, uh, we thought to use the opposite approach, uh, which is the unbiased uh, selection. 
Um, we adapted the cell-based uh, screening technology, uh, actually, uh, that I developed uh, when I was a, a postdoctoral fellow uh, with uh, Dr. Thomas Koderak's uh, lab at many years ago. Uh, now, uh, in this current application, um, we use very simple strategy. Uh, uh, we choose a unique uh, cancer cell line and a normal cell line pair uh, derived from the same patient, uh, which is very important. And we received these cells from uh, Dr. John Mina's uh, lab at uh, UT Southwestern. Uh, uh, so since these cells from the same patient, their basic genetic background is same. Uh, whatever the differences should be related to the true uh, cancerous situation. And here, we try to pick those unbiasedly. Uh, so. Uh, we stain cancer cells in red and normal cells in green, uh, mixed in one-to-one -one ratio, and exposed to the library beads uh, that carry uh, peptide-peptoid hybrids uh, in one bead, one compound format. Uh, we screen about 400,000 compounds. Uh, now, uh, during the screen, if we see a bead bound only with red stain uh, cancer cells, in the presence of green stain normal cells, this means the compound on that bead bound to a biomolecule only present in the cancer cells. Uh, it still can be a protein, but more importantly, it can be a lipid or carbohydrate uh, specific for cancer cells. And we hope so, uh, because uh, these uh, non-protein biomolecules are uh, abundantly uh, present in the cancer cell surface. Um, the uh, targeting these non-protein and highly abundant biomolecules uh, may be helpful in uh, developing um, globally uh, applicable cancer uh, targeting agents. Uh, but uh, use of conventional tools uh, targeting lipids or carbohydrates uh, is very challenging, and and this is where our unique application may be helpful. And then uh, finally, uh, those targeted biomolecules uh, can be identified uh, using other standard methods. Um, uh, as an update, uh, we have already identified the target of our compound, uh, which will be published soon, and uh, so we are very pleased uh, as we, our hypothesis worked exactly as we predicted and are currently applying on uh, several other systems as well. So to conclude, how did the peptide-peptoid hybrid perform in vivo? Yeah, um, uh, as we are reporting here, our compound not only recognized the cancer-specific uh, target over the normal cells, but also displayed the intrinsic activity, uh, anti-cancer activity upon the dimerization. Uh, now getting into the uh, in vivo, uh, the compound is well tolerated in mice. Uh, it's strongly accumulated in the tumor uh, as compared to the control compounds. And we see very strong uh, staining on the tumor uh, as well. Um, we are currently validating the uh, anti-cancer activity uh, of this compound in vivo uh, only uh, on uh, different uh, cancer types uh, with great promise. And um, those also will be published uh, soon. That sounds great, and thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much. So staying on the theme of lung cancer, our second and final author for today is Uwe Ricks, who identifies potential new targets for lung cancer therapeutics. Hi, Uwe. Hi, how are you? Good. So first up, uh, could you comment on the recent clinical success of CDK4 and 6 inhibitors targeting lung cancer? Yeah, sure. Um, 
Um, so I think actually the, uh, the situation is still evolving. The, the, um, it's not quite clear yet how they're going to perform. There's uh, several uh, compounds um, that are in clinical trials for uh, various kinds of lung cancer. And um, the, most of the tri trials are still ongoing. So there's, for instance, the lung map trial that we are referring to in, in our paper, but there's also other trials, for instance, with the Lilly compound, uh, it's called the Juniper trial, and they're really just starting up. And so it's not quite clear yet how the drugs are going to perform um, by themselves there. So it might be uh, similar as in breast cancer, but it might be uh, also quite quite different. And um, I think the first trials where uh, they use unselected patients uh, in adenocarcinoma, which is one of the major histological subtypes of lung cancer, uh, that hasn't been all that successful with uh, with uh, Um But that might be also because they didn't quite select for the right kind of patients uh, as they are doing in some of the other trials, like the lung map or the Juniper trial. So in your current paper, then, you studied the target profiles of two such inhibitors. Could you explain your approach? Yes, sure. So we have uh, seen some different uh, cellular activity of, of two of those CDK4 inhibitors, which are pulvociclib and uh, ribociclib. And so uh, we then went ahead and determined what these drugs are actually binding inside of these cells. So for that, we used a uh, classical drug affinity chromatography approach where we actually immobilized the, the drugs and uh, generate an affinity matrix, and then we kind of fish out uh, proteins that have uh, affinity uh, to, for these drugs that are binding to these drugs. And then we can afterwards uh, work this up and uh, identify those proteins um, with mass spectrometry. And so that, that gave us a very nice uh, picture of the, the really non-biased picture of the protein-wide binding uh, profile of these two drugs. Okay, so what were your most significant findings then from these target profiles? So the first thing that we noted was um, that these two CDK4 inhibitors, which really are, are, are pretty similar with regard to the uh, uh, potency towards the intended target, CDK4 and 6, um, are actually quite different in their target profile. Uh, ribociclib was a, a much more selective compound, whereas pulbociclib actually had uh, more than twice as many uh, different targets. Now, having said that, CDK4 and 6 were for both compounds still the most prominent targets and the most potent targets. But all in all, the, the overall target profile was quite different. And so we then uh, looked at what uh, cellular processes would be um, actually affected by uh, some of these additional targets. And uh, when we, when we uh, queried several uh, pathway databases, we found out that some of the targets actually mapped to uh, some uh, PS3 kinase signaling or autophagy pathways. And that was specific for uh, pulbociclib and was not seen with ribociclib. And then we actually went ahead and did some cellular validation of these uh, effects and were able to confirm that indeed these processes were selectively um, affected by the compound that was really only binding, uh, that was binding the targets that were uh, represented in those pathways and not by the other drug, which was ribociclib. That sounds great. And thanks for joining us today. You're very welcome. That's it for this month's show. Join us again next month for more ACS Chemical Biology highlights and interviews with our authors. To learn more about the journal, please visit us at pubs.acs.org forward slash journal forward slash ACS Chemical Biology. Thanks to all of you for listening.